You're listening to Amplify Ambition. I'm Kristen Edwards, speaker, coach, and your guide for ambitious women to become industry leaders and grow a sustainable business without the hustle. Listen to conversations on authentic leadership, self-awareness, and strategic planning for growing your business. I believe big dreams can be your reality when you embrace all of who you're meant to be and focus on the business that works for you and your lifestyle. Now let's dive into today's episode. excited because when I get to bring a Canada on the show, that's just like my second home and all good things. But I'm really excited to welcome Lisa Simone Richards to the show. She is a PR and visibility strategist and here to really walk us through the ways that we can show up and show out as we bring clients into our business. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time in chats and super excited to bring this to fruition today and share this with your listeners. Absolutely. So before we dive into what you do and how you got started, I believe that we are all multi-passionate and we bring, we need to bring all of who we are to the table. So when you are not talking about publicity and visibility, what is that thing that's kind of like not technically a part of your brand, but that you're very passionate about still? You know, it's funny. I was just like, ooh, maybe I could consider this a part of my brand. Um, when my husband and I moved in together, I was like, the number one thing that's going to annoy you the most about living with me is the incessant amount of YouTube that I watch. I am always watching videos on beauty, fashion, hair, makeup all day long. So I guess like, you know, image styling kind of is a part of how you present yourself in the media. So maybe we could roll it in there somewhere. But yeah, I love playing hair, makeup, beauty all day, every day. That's actually how I got started in PR. That's really cool. I always love hearing the background story of like, what brought you to what you're doing now? Because it's very rare that you're like, when I grow up, I want to be the president and I'm studying politics at four years old. Like, it's always this journey that brings us to where we are. So I love that, you know, something is what we think is simple as hair, makeup and fashion actually led you down your professional path as well. So thank you for sharing that. Now I want you to unpack that. So let let us really know, um, you know, really what got you started on this journey and brought you to where you are today. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into that backstory. And it does really, it does come back to fashion beauty. And one of the things I love about PR is it's such a translatable skill. So any industry I have an interest in, I can take that skill set there. So when I was in first year university, I was having lunch with a girl named Lindsay and who knew that lunch would, you know, Lindsay doesn't even know I tell the story. I haven't talked to that girl since first year, Um, but who knew that that would become such a, like a big story in my life. Uh, We went for lunch in fourth year and she told me that she was going to be going to PR school when she graduated. And um, this is in 2002, Sex in the City, super huge, Samantha Jones, all the parties and the restaurants and the exclusive invites. And I was like, I think I want to do PR. So I ended up in first year. I remember I would skip a week of school every semester to volunteer on the PR crew for Toronto Fashion Week. And my parents knew that I was skipping school because I was staying at their house while doing this. So I ended up spending, what was it, eight seasons volunteering at Fashion Week. By the time I was in fourth year, I was running the volunteer crew. Um, I had internships at Fashion Magazine in their beauty department. I worked with an agency where we were doing TIFF gift lounges, working with jewelry 
designers, fashion designers. Um, one spa where actually I've only had my eyebrows done by their esthetician since 2007. Uh, so actually I really did get to play in that space for a little while, which is fun. And then it evolved into working an agency. So that was a little more corporate like Staples, Virgin Mobile and fitness was what I did for a handful of years after that. I helped one company grow from 400,000 a year to 4 million. And that was one of the funnest jobs of my life. I'm talking business trips to Hawaii and Puerto Rico. So you have like 10 kids making 10 kids under 30, making 4 million a year. We had fun. Um, and then, you know, I wanted to really take the skill sets that I'd learned and help companies and entrepreneurs who didn't have $10,000 a month to spend on a PR retainer for 12 months of the year and actually show them how to be able to get access to PR and visibility. I love that. And I'm so glad that you took all of that expertise in from volunteering to traveling, corporate fashion, all these things. And you're now transitioning that to other entrepreneurs who want, again, don't really have that kind of budget to be able to put towards it, but also, um, you know, giving back, right? Like giving back in a way that's very hands-on and practical. So thank you for doing that. Um, was there like a big catalyst that made you say like, I want to help and serve entrepreneurs or was this, um, you know, piece by piece? Like, how did that really unfold and come, come about? I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and in my head, I was like, after 35, I'll do it. That sounds like a safe number. And I had a buddy, Sean, who had left his corporate job as an investment banker with a huge, one of the big five banks here in Camden. He started his own company. I was just so inspired by him that I actually started as a side hustler. So I was working with a fitness company, not the 400 million, the 400,000, 4 million company. This was a different one. And I started my PR agency on the side. I let VP know like, Hey, I'm doing this thing on the side, nothing in competition with what we're doing here, full transparency. <laughs> they didn't like that. I got let go not too long after. Um, but at that point, like I already was making my corporate salary on the side. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that's not great. But like we have clients, there's money coming in the door. We're good. And then that evolved from there. And I just never looked back since. And I'm so grateful I don't have a boss or a job or I need to ask someone for time off. Like my husband has a full-time job and I just hear his story sometimes. And I'm like, man, I get fired for the way I run my mouth. Like I just couldn't put up with the things you do. And the idea of asking someone for vacation time, I'm like, what if I know if I'm just not available, I'm just not available to handle it. I'll handle it. Um, I mean, that's definitely one of the perks of, of being your own boss, right? You're like, self, you need Friday off. And you're like, self, take it. Oh, um, you should never so take calls on Fridays. They are always booked. And it could be an intentional CEO day where I'm working in my business. Or tomorrow, I'm going to my friend Kara's pool to lay out by the roof. And then I'm going to go see my friend show and have dinner. That sounds like the perfect Friday. It's also supposed to be like 90 where I am. So if that is about the same for you, perfect weather for a pool day. Absolutely. And this episode probably won't air until September, but and we'll miss we record at the end of July, just so you know, in case you're not in the pool when you are listening to this. Um, but I'd love to know what are some of those foundational things that you're constantly telling your clients as you work with them of like, these are the, this is the foundation you need um, before working with me or as they're working with you, are there kind of, you know, a standard framework that you're always teaching your clients? One of the things that, interestingly enough, depending on the stage of business that a client is at is 
where they believe visibility is accessible to them and how I can work with them from there. So I've had clients who are like, no, I need to have a website first before I can do anything. And I'm like, no, I literally just need you to have a lead magnet and I can work with you. And that that can be derailed sometimes because people really won't have that website. Um, alternatively, I had someone work with me who's like, I have no idea what I want to do or promote, but I know people need to know who I am if anyone's going to buy anything. And I was like, that's a completely different perspective than I've had, but it worked so well. She ended up doing TV segments, radio segments. She built relationships with those hosts. And then she realized that she liked leading in-person workshops. And guess what? When she hosted her first one, the TV host came and the radio host came and people whose like names actually had a draw and a pull to this event. And that's how she ended up building her business based on relationship and visibility. And then she figured out what she liked. So it's really interesting that people can come into this at various stages in the game. But the thing that stays the same, no matter where you are, is if people don't know about you, they can't work with you. So you can be the best at what you do. But if you're the best kept secret, that's not great because people can't hire you. Yeah, it's so true. And I think it's one of those steps that we try to like, ignore of like, if I build it, they will come. And it's like, only if they know it's there. Exactly. Uh, that's kind of what comes up with the website incident I'm thinking about. I'm like, and who's going to this website? And where's the traffic coming from? Like, it's, it's one of those things that it feels good. I'm being busy, but is it actually like doing what it needs to do? Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's like, and even for your person who was like, I don't exactly know what the business is, but people should know I exist. Um, so, you know, truthfully, she, it was her own method for sure, but it's, it was a good, a good point. She definitely had the right mindset about it. It's not the conventional route over 20 years, but it, man, it's worked for her workshops, TED Talks. She's published a book, like she has her six-figure business and clients that she's coaching. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I love, you know, especially working with people about becoming an authentic leader is like, you do get to write your own rules. I don't know if I necessarily say pull them out of thin air, but finding what works for you and, and building it in that own way. And so she's created her own definition of success and she's literally found that success. She has clients, she has money, she has the talk show, she has the TEDx, she has the book. Um, but, you know, recognizing if there's something that's, you know, in your gut, figure out how to make it a reality as well. And then they can call someone like Lisa to be like, let's actually make this a reality. How do I go about it? So definitely, you know, I love that you're kind of saying that of like, it's not exactly what it is. It doesn't matter what industry you're in or how your end game, but recognizing that visibility is kind of the first part of that puzzle. It's, it's so funny when I think about launching my first course back in, I think it was 2016, I got my tax refund. I gave the whole thing to a branding and designer person and she made my website and my course materials and it was so pretty. And I launched it and I remember sitting at my computer and being like, did what? Not a single sales go. How am I paying rent next month? I need sales to come in. And it was very funny as a publicist to realize, oh, that thing that I do for my clients, I need to do for me. Like it's all well and good that my friends and family know that I launched this and they pat me on the back and they like it, but they're not buying it. This isn't relevant to them. I need an audience of buyers in front of me. So it was, it was very funny to forget that if, given the work that I do. Yeah. I love that. Are there, there any other again? Listen, you live and you learn. So you learned and now you're telling other people to prevent it. Um, so again, as long as you can kind of redirect it into something positive, fine with me. Are there any other rules for success or foundational steps that you definitely try to encourage as, as people are working with you? You know, it's one that's come up for me a number of times, and even just on the conversation I was having earlier this morning, is just having the tenacity to go after what you want. 
Um, I often joke that I have only child syndrome. Um, no isn't a word that I'm super familiar with. And instead of that turning me into a spoiled brat, the good news about it is, is that I'm really persistent. If I want something like, I don't, what do you mean? No, like I want at the end. So when I think about even my career, when I was looking for internships, there was a very specific beauty company I wanted to intern at. And I emailed the founder and I was like, hi, I'd like to be your intern for PR. And she's like, we're not hiring PR interns. I'm like, that's cute. But like, I want to be your PR intern. So let's set up a conversation about it. I got an internship and she hired me as a coordinator four months later did the same thing with an agency that I wanted to work at in fashion and beauty. And I was like, hi, I'd love to be your PR intern. Sorry, we're not hiring interns right now. That's super cute and stuff, but I want to work for you. So let's talk about it. And they hired me. So, you know, to be able to just not take no for an answer and to be like, we don't want to be a pest. There's a difference between persistence and being a pest. So really focusing in on persistence, adding value and just creating the opportunities that you want. Same with media. Like I don't, I've been doing this for 20 years. If I pitch a TV show, it's not an automatic yes in 24 hours. I have to follow up even with a producer I've been working with for 10 years. Sometimes it takes three weeks before she gets back to me and says, hey, we love that idea. Let's do a segment. So having that persistence to go after what you want and just put yourself out there and get the things that you know are good for you. Um, that, that's a huge life lesson and something that my clients do, like putting themselves out there, going for it. And that's how they turn into regularly featured experts. I love that. And I love that you said there's a difference between persistence and pest, but recognizing that there's so much money available to you. There's so much opportunity available to us in the follow-up as well. Because I think a lot of times, similar to the, I have a website, where are the people? It were like, well, I sent the pitch. And you're like, okay. And like, how many other pitches did they get? What made you stand out among the whatever? And so, yes, being unique in whatever it is you do and how you feel, you don't kind of present yourself, but also like follow up because everyone else is saying, but I sent the pitch, dot, dot, dot. And so saying like, okay, let me follow up or maybe let me follow up a third time um, and recognizing, you know, not three days in a row, like give them a chance, maybe three weeks, you know, kind of following up, but still recognizing that that's an element of what you need to do. Yeah, um, one, just one story I want to tell around following up. So fun story and just being really honest for anyone who's listening to this and I'm like, okay, I'm interested in putting myself out there. I just, you know, I, I love painting a rosy picture but I also wanna paint a really realistic one. So pitching 10 podcasts a week has been a part of my strategy for 2022. Um, we're taking a little summer hiatus, we're having a breather. But if I look back at January, 2022, I sent 55 podcast pitches. I got 12 yeses, which means that I got 38 deletes or no's or just non-responses. And I could spend my time dwelling on oh, 38 people didn't get back to me. Or I could be like, hey, guess what? I got in front of 12 new audiences. I built 12 new relationships. And even as I look through my stats, and even if I got like 10 leads from each podcast, that's 120 people that came into my world that I wouldn't have had otherwise. But that is a win for me. And um, what was the other part that I want to share? Half of the podcasts that I book each month are because I sent a follow-up email. They're not from the first outreach. I'll follow up a week later and they'll be like, oh my God, I was in launch. Oh my God, this ended up in my spam follow folder. Thank you so much for following up. So yeah, definitely don't sleep on that follow-up. That's where a lot of the opportunity comes from. Yeah. I think even on the, the podcast host side, like my inbox, I get random pitches from Sometimes people I've literally never even heard of, um, and you included exactly, but you know, there's times where it's like, great, this is an email. And in my mind, I plan on 
digging into your one page and checking out your Instagram and website to see if you're someone. But I'm also someone who like, I hand select my guests, like 90% of the guests that have been on my show, I've had a previous relationship with. And then I've said, hey, want to be on my podcast? Or I love this post. It totally resonated. I want you to share this with my audience. 10% of those people have been from those pitches. And so recognizing what is that, what does that look like and how do you want that to be? So for anyone listening, if you are looking to get on podcasts, if you are looking to have YouTube collaborations and blog posts and all the things that are out there, recognize that that follow-up email is definitely a huge aspect of it. Um, Because sometimes the first time I was like, I don't have time for this. The second time I'm like, wait, let me actually click. And then even for us specifically, I told you, no, I actually was the person who did respond. I was like, no, no, thanks. I said it nicely, people, but I still said no. <laughs> um, but I, I actually was like, I still like her. Like, I'll follow you on Instagram. And it was probably three or four months later that you popped up, a random post popped up. And I was like, things have changed. And yes, let's, let's make this a thing. And so recognizing that it just because it's a no, sometimes it is a true no. And like, you didn't get into the college, you're not getting the job. And mm. no, they don't want you on the podcast. But also that no could mean not yet or not right now. And so maybe if it's not in Q1, it could be in Q3. So I think, yes, the follow-up is really important, but sometimes maybe not even in a month, maybe in like six months, circle back and see what those opportunities could reveal for you as well. Um, And it works on both sides as both the host and the guest. So for sure. And even if I can share something to help set people up to win is like schedule these follow-ups for yourself. So there was one really big show that I pitched and I was like, there's no chance I'm going to get on this one, but let's do it anyway. Surprise. They were like, we'd love to have you on the show, which number one tells you like, don't play a small game. You can totally play a big game. What's the worst that's going to happen? They say no, and you're in the exact same spot you were before. Best case scenario, you get a yes. So I reached out to this one show. They said, yes. Oh, but we're, we just had babies. So like, can you come back to us in March? No problem. So I use Boomerang, a tool in Gmail to send the inbox, the email back to my inbox in March. I'm like, hey, just checking in. How's motherhood going? Want to set up that interview? We're not doing shows right now. Maybe check back in June. Okay. Followed up in June. Like, I mean, it wasn't just like one or two follow-ups. Like I was persistent. I was serious about wanting to be in there. So by my third, hey, you guys told me to circle back now. Is it a good time? Like we actually recorded the show last week. So that was like, it was the yes, but I had to check in three or four times to actually like move forward with it. And it could have been easy to forget, but having that persistence totally paid off. The beauty of calendars and the apps that go into these calendars. We don't even have to remember to do it ourselves now. I'm always like, okay, quote unquote, Alexa, I have the other one. I don't want to start listening. Um, Remind me on January 5th to do this thing. Yeah, like seriously. And that's, you know, again, like we're not living in the 1900s anymore. And so we do have that technology that's going to help us. So like one, follow up or two, schedule something to tell you to follow up as well. So I love all of that. Thank you so much for sharing it. Are there any other tips besides the three that you've just given that you want to share? I think I'll go back to what I said in terms of playing a big game. Like, don't think, oh, that's too big an opportunity for me. Like truthfully with certain opportunities, like, yes, they are looking for a certain caliber of person. You do have to build your resume to get there. Everybody wants to be on Oprah. Um, A producer is going to make sure that you've been on TV and you know what you're doing and that you're not just some random nobody before you get on there. That is the truth. But aim for a big opportunity. What if she happens to say yes? We know the chances are it may not happen right away, but aim for, play a big game. Whoever knows what could happen. And like I said, the worst thing that could happen is you're in the exact same position that you are 
are right now, but best case scenario, you could get an opportunity. I love that. And I love that reminder of like, once start stacking your resume, start stacking your credentials so that you end up on that super top name, but also like shoot your shot, see what happens, like go for it um, as well. And, and again, like if they do give you a no today, then use the next six months or six years, depending on where you are in this journey and get yourself there. Don't just cross it off that list as a never happening. So thank you so much um, for sharing all of those tips. I love it. I'm going to use them myself, but I hope everyone listening kind of took notes or rewinds the last 10 minutes and starts um, going back and taking notes on, on those. And for adding the, the, the stories and again, that full transparency around it. Like it's a process and it's a journey, but all of those opportunities are still available to us. Awesome. So again, you help people get on TV to be on these certain shows on getting on other podcasts, not just for yourself, but in other businesses. And so I, I love that you've done that. And if people want to check you out, I will drop your Instagram as well as your website in the bio. Um, you have like pitch templates and all sorts of things that they can start free, work their way up to paying you um, as well. And so I'll make sure they have access to all of that. But as we wrap up this conversation, what is that one thing that you want listeners to remember you by? What is that legacy you are trying to create? The number one thing I would say is I have a friend and I love this friend to pieces and they're always taking notes, 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 but like there's a binder full of notes with not much of a result on the other side. So if you spend 30 minutes listening to this episode, what is the one thing that you're going to take away and put into practice? Just distill back the last 28 minutes or so and choose one thing that you can do that's going to move you further today. And that's a success. That is a time well-invested that can create a result. So rewind back, think back to that one thing and put it into practice. And really fun story. I remember doing a podcast interview once where we really got into like the nitty gritty about doing pitches and whatnot. And a woman who downloaded my free lead magnet, but never worked with me was able to book a TV segment. So how cool would that be if that was you from like actually taking action from what you're hearing? I love that. I think it's such an important reminder. You'd have all the information in the world. You can have the highest IQ. If you never take action, you're not actually going to see that success on the other side. And so thank you for sharing that in regards to publicity and visibility, but like reminder for life people, like you want to get somewhere, take a step, take some action in order to figure out how you're going to get further in your journey as well. And it's kind of like I'm coaching and like coaching myself. I'm like, okay, well, I know what I need to do as soon as this episode's over. <laughs> I'm going to distract myself with lunch, but there is something I get to do and put myself out there and stretch myself on. So guys, I'm on this journey right here with you. Yeah, I love that. And that's what I love about this show is like, it's not about being awesome. It's literally about saying, here are the small things, here are the small wins and here we're all on this journey together, but we're still going to make it happen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, everyone. Again, Lisa Simone Richards, I will drop her information in the show notes for you to check her out. I'm so grateful to have been here today. Thank you so much for the invitation. Are you searching for a way to grow your business as you create your best life? Click the link in the show notes to get your free guide, Five Simple Steps to Build a Profitable Business Roadmap Based on Your Natural Abilities. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, take a moment to share it on Instagram or your favorite social media platform and tag me at Kristen Edwards underscore. Or go the extra mile and leave a rating or review to help more women listen in and join our community. 
Thanks for listening to Amplify Ambition. Until next time, dream loudly.